Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. Today's message is the second in our At the Table series. In this series, Jesus invites us to commune with Him at the table and to mimic the variety of guests He dines with. This message is from Luke 11, verses 37 to 54. Good morning. My name is Chris Godfordson, and it's my pleasure to get to serve Center Point Church as a Sioux Center campus pastor, and it's my pleasure to get to worship with you. Each of you this morning, if you're worshiping online or joining us by, through Channel 77, we're really glad that you're with us today. Just a couple of things before we turn to the Word of the Lord that I want to draw to your attention in our worship guide on the, on the back there. Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, we will have a uh, Vision for Mission Night. And, and a couple of people, a couple who works with Global Serve International, they founded this agency, and, and they are partnering with us to send another, to send another couple out into the world uh, to start a church. We just invite you to come and hear their story. It's going to be a powerful evening, Wednesday night at 6.30. And then, uh, right after worship today, I want to invite you to grab a cup of coffee, hang out out here in the lobby area for a little bit, and then make your way out the north door and head west up the slope. We're going to have a meal together. Uh, we're, we're in our second week of our At the Table series, and it feels like a good time to sit around a table and share a meal together. So those are the announcements that I have for you. And as I said, today is the second day, the second week in our At the Table series. And we're going to be continuing in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11. If you want to get there, I'll get to the text in just a minute. Luke chapter 11, it's on page 1615 in your pew Bible. You can open up your preferred electronic device or the words will be on the screen. But before, I, before we get there, I want, to, I want to bring you back up to speed or if you're visiting with us, uh, the premise for this entire series is, is this belief that at the table, Jesus invites us to commune with him so that we may be nourished by him and fed by the grace of God. Now, last week we looked at the, the event that is affectionately known as the feeding of the 5,000. And the primary takeaway from that story for us in this last week was, was this, that there is abundance at the table. There, there is abundance at the table of the Lord. And when we look to heaven and, and we look to Jesus, there's enough. There's more than we could ever ask or possibly even imagine kind of enough if we only look. Jesus, the in-flesh abundance of God, was abundant in the way he allocated his time. And he was abundant in the way he provided for all of the people of Bethsaida who had gathered to hear him, to see him, to be healed by him, and revealing to us that we can trust that God will be abundant with us too. God is abundant with us too. And this morning, our perspective on abundance may be challenged. It's possible that what, the way you understand abundance could be challenged today. 
in our, our perception of who Jesus is and how Jesus is may also be challenged. And I want to say to you that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay if our perception and our perspectives are challenged. So if you're ready, um, have Luke 11 open and ready to go, and I'm going to pray. So let's do that. Let's pray together. God, you know that I keep asking you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious riches of the inheritance in your saints, and that incomparably great power for us who believe, because it's that power, that same mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. It's that power, God, that will grant us wisdom and revelation. So, God, would your word be our rule, your spirit, our teacher, in the glory of Jesus, our single concern. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So there's a, a healthy chunk of scripture here, but hang, bear with me and hang on. Verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build, and they, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. 
Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are we sure when we say that? This is a hard word. Am I right? I mean, it feels like it got about 10 degrees warmer in here since I started to read the text. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, maybe it's all perspective. Because perspective always matters. I mean, I look out over this room and, and I see all of you. This is my perspective. I don't see any of you dozing off yet, but that's possible in a little bit. I still see you. This is my perspective here. And your perspective is that you don't see me sitting here. You see me standing here talking with you. And talking about Jesus, of course, and relationships. Because today we're, we're going to be talking about relationships. Like, how do you know when you have a good friend? Have you ever thought about this? Do you know if you have a good friend or don't have a good friend? Like, one of the things that matters to me in, in a relationship is that somebody would be willing to tell me when my zipper is down, if it's down. <laughs> like, because like, the worst thing that could happen is I would be standing on stage with my zipper down, and you would be there in your perspective looking and say, whoa, wait a minute, and not tell me. Or, how about if I have spinach in my teeth? Are you the kind of friend that would tell me that I have spinach in my teeth? Or how about a bat in the cave? Everybody knows what I'm talking about there, right? I mean, would you tell me if that's going on? Are, are you the kind of person that would point you out? Are, are you that kind of friend? Or would you just let me stroll up here and embarrass myself and embarrass you through the whole time that we're doing this today? Now, there's a lot going on in this text. And I think our perspective informs how we make sense of what is going on here. Jesus has just finished speaking to a gathering and a, and a Pharisee invites him to dinner. And Jesus, who is always willing to create space for others, is abundant with his time. And, and he agrees to sit down for a meal with this guy and the people that were also invited to this meal. And, and, and this person had all the things. He, his fly is down, he has spinach in his teeth, and he has a big old bat in the cave. And Jesus sees it all. And this is what I want you to notice. I want you to see what he does. The, because the Pharisees were constantly trying to catch Jesus, to trap him in, in their observance of the law. And this Pharisee is no different today, friends. The Pharisee, it says, the text tells us, was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Now, for us, that might matter. I mean, in, in a COVID day, it seems like we would be used to washing our hands. But in, in the Jewish tradition... 
No person could eat until they had been washed with the water of purification. This was the tradition. And the tradition was all about keeping the law. The tradition was all about keeping the law, and it was a substitute for deep, intimate relationship with Jesus that God desires for me and for you. This, these things are substitutes. And, and Jesus, being fully human and fully divine, is fully aware of what it is that's going on here. He's almost baiting the Pharisee. And this is what I hope you see, because there's more there's a lot more to say, but Jesus cares so much about everybody. Jesus cares so much about you that he wants more for these people than they even know they should want for themselves. And rather than shying away from a difficult conversation, Jesus seems to understand this. The, the tougher the truth, the truer the friend it is who will share the truth with you. You see, True friends are willing to do hard things and willing to say hard things. Jesus doesn't give the Pharisee what he deserves in this moment as he's trying to trap him. What Jesus does is he extends mercy and grace. Mercy is getting what I is mercy is not getting what I deserve. And grace, friends, is getting what I don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what I deserve, and grace is getting what I deserve. At every table, Jesus finds himself. Jesus is fully present, and he takes an active role. He, he's concerned about the lives of the people that he's hanging out with, who he's sitting around a table with, and he serves them usually responding to their need for food or healing or teaching or correction. And at, at this table in Luke 11, serving the Pharisee looks like correction. It, it looks like telling him that he's got spinach in his teeth. And Jesus doesn't run from the trap. He, he moves toward the Pharisee. The text says, now then... You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside, but inside, you are full of greed and wickedness. Bam, right? Or, or mic drop. I mean, let, let those words just sit there for a minute. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, Jesus says. And if you're a Pharisee and you're sitting in that room, you knew the scriptures, you knew all the things. And so I'm sure a lot of stuff was running around in their minds as Jesus lays it down for them. And, and they, they would have remembered this, that the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outside appearance or the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, for Samuel tells us. As, as a true friend... Jesus doesn't relent. Instead, he keeps moving forward. He moves toward his host and the other guests who were trying to trap him. Be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you, he says. And then he lets it fly. Woe to you 
woe to you, woe to you, woe, woe, woe. And I think we can read this chunk of scripture and get lost in the weeds. For Jesus to say, woe to you, is, is an expression of righteous anger. I mean, Jesus has the right to be upset about these things because it comes from his heart. It comes from his heart of love that is broken by the stubborn boldness and blindness of God's people. So, so we can get lost in the weeds there, but here's, here's another thing I want you to see, that it's often been said that Jesus only spoke harshly to people who didn't think they were sinners. Jesus only spoke harshly to people who thought they had it figured out, but he's always compassionate. He's always compassionate with those who know they are sinners and stand in need of grace. So, so, so we can read this passage and say, wow, Jesus, I mean, you're kind of angry. What's going on? What's that about, I suppose? And, and we can read this passage and see a loving God who is actually extending compassion to the Pharisee and being a friend. Is it possible? Is it possible that correction is for God's glory and for our good? This morning, I, I want you to notice how Jesus is for these people. Jesus is for them. He's not against them. And the language is tough, but it gets their attention. Because sometimes we need a tough word to get our attention. And, and here's the deal. Jesus brings these things into the light while there's still an opportunity that they can do something about it. The Pharisees and teachers of the law who are sitting at the table with Jesus hear what Jesus has to say and, and they have a choice to make because there's always a choice to make, right? When something gets held up in front of you like this and Jesus is holding some stuff up for the Pharisees and the people gathered at the table and Jesus is holding some stuff up for us too, it's, it's like looking in a mirror. And, and there's a choice to make because when we see it, we can't unsee it. And I would say that Jesus is being pretty kind here because he doesn't name all the things. He names, he only scratches the surface of the ways that the people are missing the mark. I mean, he shows us that we are supposed to give a tenth of all that we have to the church and act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. He shows us that we aren't supposed to seek honor and glory and have the best seats and, and receive all kinds of compliments all the time. We, we're supposed to serve those around us. He shows us that we aren't to be frauds. Jesus shows us that we aren't to be frauds. We're to walk the walk and walk the talk. And when he couldn't take it any longer, one of the teachers of the law speaks up in defense of himself and the Pharisees, naming that he feels insulted. And again, Jesus doesn't freeze or, or flee. He moves toward the teacher. He shows us that we aren't supposed to load people down with heavy burdens and ask them to do things that we aren't willing to do. Jesus shows us that we have responsibility and, and this Jesus shows us that even though we may know and understand the law, 
our attention to all the rules and regulations might be, just might be, standing in the way of somebody receiving mercy and grace. And friends, when we miss it, it hinders us and it hinders other people who desperately need the grace of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, nobody likes correction. Who likes to be corrected? Any hands? I didn't think so, because I didn't raise mine either. I remember going home after basketball practice, just irritated when I was in high school, because all my coach ever did was yell and scream at me. He was always correcting me, telling me all the things that I had done wrong. And then I think back to the days when I was a coach, and I was trying to teach the importance of taking proper steps because if you take the right step, it's going to get you in position to enjoy success. And then it struck me. I realized that when I stop correcting, that means I've given up on you. And so Jesus is, continues to correct these people. He hasn't given up. But if we're missing the mark, when do we need to know it? So if that, those two examples weren't helpful, maybe this would be. Maybe you hire somebody to paint a room in your house. When do you think that you should know that they're painting it the wrong color? Do you think they should know uh, right now or when the job is done? Or maybe you've just gotten gas at some convenience store off of 494 in Minneapolis and you turn out of that parking lot the wrong way. When, do you, when is it that you should know that you did that? When you get slammed into or early on? So I did that a couple months ago. It's embarrassing and I'm fortunate that I didn't get hit. But one way or the other, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are going to figure out that they're missing the mark. It's going to happen. And one way or another, we will eventually figure it out that we are missing the mark too. Which leads me to wonder, what if Jesus is being kind here? Is it possible that Jesus is actually being kind? See, I believe that clear is kind. Being clear is a, an act of kindness. Now, I'm not advocating for this, that you run around shouting, woe to you, you frauds. That's not the point, and it's not particularly helpful. I mean, you're not Jesus, so there's that. Uh, but, but I also want to hold up for you the idea this morning that, of this, that the path to the kind of relationship that it takes to be able to have real, vulnerable authentic conversations about where we are both hitting and missing the mark starts at the table. It starts at a table where abundant grace and mercy both exist. An old friend of mine was in town a, a few years ago, and, and this, this old friend used to consult churches around the, the globe, around the, con around the continent, actually. And, and he was hired to come and work with a church that uh, was in our area, and so I decided to tag along. And after he had spent a couple of days with this congregation, um, he, he shared some truth with them. Apparently, he believed that the tougher the truth, the truer the friend is who will share the truth with you, or, or that clear is kind. And this is what he said. 
People aren't necessarily looking for uh, a friendly church. People are looking for friends. People aren't necessarily looking for a friendly church. People are looking for friends. And so he said this, if you want to make friends, tithe your Friday nights. Tithe your Friday nights. Invite people over to your house and spend time with people that you don't normally hang out with. And, and you will have friends and people will have friends. And, and then, then he dropped the mic. He said, it sounds easy, but you won't do it. And you could, you know, the conversation had been really good until that point. And then you could hear a pin drop. And being confronted with the weight of that statement myself, take five Friday nights and hang out with people I don't normally spend time with. It sounds easy, but you won't do it. And the words just hung there. And they hung there. And they hung there. Until a few months ago when we started a life group. And we started spending time with people that we don't normally spend time with. We are sitting around our table and mercy and grace abound. People in their 50s and people in their teens and 20s and varied ages in between. And we're all having honest conversations, authentic, vulnerable conversations about life theology and where struggles are happening in our lives. And these aren't Friday nights because Doug was right. People don't, most people don't want to give up their Friday nights, but we do meet every third Sunday and we sit around a table. We're nourished with, with a little food, but more than that, we're nourished with, with ever increasing authentic community. And it's beautiful. And it's rich, and it's, it's that kind of place where we're able to have these kinds of conversations that Jesus is having with this Pharisee and the others who are gathered there that day. And I wonder, can we lead the way, friends, can, can we lead the way in being vulnerable and saying what's true for us and being authentic? Can we lead the way in admitting where we struggle? Can we be authentic and ask for healing when we need it or, or where we need teaching <laughs> or, or dare I say where we need correcting. Verse 46 in our text says, and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. As, as the pastor of this church, I take this pretty seriously. And so I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Can we be authentic and create this kind of community? And I want to say this. It's not about our efforting. It's a whole lot more about our surrendering. It's not about our efforting. It's about our surrendering. Will I, will you give in to the things Jesus desires of you? Will I allow Jesus to give good gifts to me? Will you? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, Jesus invites us to come to him, to bring our weary and tired souls to him, to bring our burdens to the table, to allow his gentle, humble heart to meet us. Can we? Can we invite imperfect people to join us at our imperfect tables? So, so we have someone to walk with towards our wholeness in Christ. And, and today is a, is a perfect opportunity to try this on. This, you have a great opportunity in just a few minutes when we get up out of this space and we go back here, you can see somebody uh, that you might not have ever had a conversation with before and you can say hi. You can have a cup of coffee and you can have a conversation. And then we can make our way through those doors to the north and go up the slope and have a meal together. And, and as we do... Before we even have the meal, we're going to share communion around tables. And then at the bottom of, of a sheet of paper that is on your table, there's a, a, a set of questions there for you to consider. It's kind of table talk, if you will. The invitation is, is to maybe have lunch with somebody that you haven't uh, had lunch with before or to have a conversation with somebody that, that you only know a little bit. The impulse that we have is that we would just sit only with our people. And so since we're all our people, maybe you just make a little space for people that you don't normally hang out with. Because this is the safe place to practice. This is the church and we love each other. And this is, this is where we do these things. Just once we leave these doors, right, then it's game on. It's not, it's not as safe. Can we be these people? Can we deal, create the kind of relationship where we're willing and able to say the things that we need to say? Can we be that kind of friend? Can we create the kind of relationships where we're able to say, hey, look, buddy, you have some spinach in your teeth today. And then talk about the things that Jesus is doing in your life. This is what we hope for our meal together. We're going to celebrate all the things that have happened in our programming year, and we're going to have some intentional conversation. This is a way of being. Let's pray. God, as we think about this passage and, and this testimony of the way in which you engage with your people, we give you thanks, O oh God, that, that you are that kind of friend, Jesus, that you will show us the things that we need to see, that you will uh, help us to be the people that you would have us be. We give you thanks that there is abundant grace at your table. Help us to live increasingly as people of grace, willing to do the things that you call us to do. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.